and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witchbuster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Monday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. I'm Luke, your Wolf. What's up, Wolf? How you doing, Luke? I'm good. I've How got, was your weekend? It was. It was. Uh, I, I guess the football wasn't quite as good as I expected, top to bottom. But it was a great weekend. And uh, as far as football. I have a stat that's going to blow your mind. Okay. But I'm going to save it. You got a stat. Okay. And this is a stat that I found myself, so I triple-checked it like more than three times. Yeah. Because I figured I would say it and be like, look at this stat I found, and then it would be all wrong, and then I'd be mocked. Yeah, can I ask you this right here? What do you got? What kind of hat are you wearing there? It's all black, and yet there's there's no distinguishing mark on it. What is that that Uh, you're wearing? Do you know? This is a Suns hat. Okay, that's the Suns hat logo, right there. I can't even see no. the logo. Well, I okay. like the all-black tr- look. Well, you've got the all-black look trying, on trying right something now. New. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. This yeah. is the Suns hat Johnny Cash would wear. Okay, right. He wore a Suns hat. It's kind of a militant look, too. You got the, you know, they, the, I don't know, are you, are you joining the Seals or something like that? I don't is think that they would have doing? me, to be quite honest. Yeah, well, it matches the beard, so you got it going, Luke. You look good on a Monday. I you ready to go? It's a good, yeah, it's just a good dark look for a Monday. Yeah, of course. There's no reason to feel dark, Wolf, because the Phoenix Suns, are winning basketball games again. Boy, they look like the Suns. Oh, that's they? great. They look like the Suns. What is the number one thing that you look at right now and you say, hmm, man, that feels real good. Well, what can this three-game win streak do for them? Chris Paul, but hold on before we get into that. It, it's Chris Paul. But they look like a team that if they start stringing wins together, it kind of feels familiar to them. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you'll have a team that's like, hey, we're starting to string wins together, but they've never really won together before. So it's just kind of like, where's this going to go? If the Suns can can keep this rolling and get healthier and, and trade Jay Crowder at the deadline, I'm not saying they're going to win the title, but you can see how when they are winning games, it almost feels like they're used to that. And this is like, yep. we're, it's like, it's like riding a bike. You never forget, right? So once, once they do that, it doesn't look foreign to them. It looks like what they're supposed to be doing. You know, for me right now, the biggest thing about this, what could this possibly do for this team that looks so different from so many different angles and because of so many different things the suns they've won three in a row they're back to 500 right now but for me more than anything else chris paul they they talked to him of course bally sports talked to him after the broadcast he made his debut he looked like chris paul they talked to him after the game and he said there were a work in progress man i like that I do. I like that a lot because he acknowledged the mess that they've been this season and the work they have to put in to get back to where they need to be. But even as I say this, Luke, the the beautiful thing about that is the work in progress comment. What I love about it is the fact that you can build back better. You can do that. You can be different. You can build back better. The work in progress. Now that everything has been torn down, when you think of how many man games the Phoenix Suns have missed this season, how different they've looked. They started the season well, and all of a sudden we know what happened from that point forward. A complete breakdown. Now they've got an opportunity to build this thing back 
and maybe you can make some changes on the way. They're they're 48 games in, so what is that, 34 games left? We don't know when Devin Booker's coming back, but I believe that four-week point where they were going to reevaluate him is this Wednesday, I, I believe. So, I don't know, let's say he comes back in two weeks even. You've said this for a while, 20 games is what you want. I know James Jones has said that in the past, yeah, too. That's really right. how he evaluates the team. Again, I'm not saying they're going to win the title. I mean, you got to give some respect <laughs> to some of these other teams. But if they were going to go on that run, and at the start of the year, I thought they were going to be one of the last four teams standing. If they're going to do it, it's going to look like starting to win games without Devin Booker, getting Devin Booker back. You have to at least trade Jay Crowder. If you make another trade, that's awesome. But... Kind of starting to string things together and getting your team together with 25 games left in the season. I don't believe you can just flip the switch and be like, okay, we got everybody back and it's April 7th where we're going to go on a run. No. And you also have to get in the top six. I do believe that's a prerequisite to really make a deep run in these playoffs is you got to get in the top six in the Western Conference. That's all still there for them. And if Chris Paul's going to play the way he did last night, he's going to do that consistently. That's all, that's as big as, as any trade they could realistically make. Well, it's great to see Chris Paul come out the way that he did. In that first quarter, right from the get-go, Chris Paul came out, put up 15 points. And that, to me, set the tone. It really set the tone, and it is so important. I talk about it all the time, but I mean this, Basinonians, from my bones. It is so important. You have one guy, a guy that is respected in that locker room. I don't care what sport you're talking about playing. When you start a game, the guy goes out and says, I got this. Seizes some control of the game. And what's interesting about it is those 15 points, I I honestly think that was the tip of the spear to the Suns getting off to a good start and Chris Paul's return to the Phoenix Suns. And everyone just kind of sighed and said, you know what, we're good. He was having we're gonna fun, be okay. too. And he and was so, some of those fun. passes were like, wait a minute, this is Chris Paul from two years ago. Right exactly here. Yeah. right. He looked uh, re-energized. He looked like he was 36 and not 37. <laughs> So I don't know. We all get it, Logan. I don't know what that, what that, you know, if he can continue to do that, I think we all can piece together what that means. The question is, can he consistently do that? And again, they have 34 games left. Does he have to do it for all 34? No. But he needs to, to kind of do it at the rate we're, we're used to seeing him do it. And more importantly, he needs to do it in the playoffs. I think the path for them, like I said, is get in the top six, get healthy, get healthy before the end of the season, and then see what you can potentially do. Here's Chris Paul after the game. Uh, felt good. Felt good. Um, it was nice to get out there and play. You know, when you come back from any injury, you don't know how it feels until you actually play five on five. And so it was it was nice to play. And he also talked about uh, really liking that Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson could take the ball up the court now, which is something he said back in. I remember hearing him say it after the Houston game. I think that was October. He said this. Kale been, Kale been amazing. As y'all already know, Kale lace him up every night, ready to go. Um, but the way he's played, you know, with all of us guys out, you know, I think it's going to help us in the long run because he's so much more comfortable handling the ball, making plays. And I just told him in the locker room it was fun, you know, getting off the ball and watching him create. Yeah, and it's only going to get better. You know, I got to get used to it. He ain't been like that the whole the whole time I've been here. But it's something that I know he put in a lot of work with over the summer. Uh, Cam Johnson, too. Cam got a rebound today, and he waved me off. And I, I love it. <laughs> I've been waiting for him to, to tell me that. And so uh, I think all the confidence that the guys are getting, it can only help us in the long run. See, that is what I'm talking about right there, the build back better, man. This is 
They, they are a work in progress, Chris Paul. They are a work in progress. I love that. Listen, what kind of confidence do some of the reserves get from actually playing these meaningful minutes? What, you know, Josh Kogi? Yeah, even when, and I know this is going to drive you nuts out there, Basin, but I'm going to say it anyways. Oh boy. Even when you lose the game, the fact these guys are playing in end of the game scenarios, meaningful minutes is so important to their own personal growth. Um, I think it's awesome for the team. That's part of building back better. What does it mean to see three of their starters back on the floor and suddenly you see Chris Paul deferring to Mikael Bridges in crunch time? I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that guys are in are getting back to the roles they're supposed to be in, too. Like, Mikael Bridges looks revitalized over the last... What is he... More than 21 points in, in six of his last seven games. He's not even necessarily, quote, a scorer. But when they were asking him to do that in addition to everything else, and, you know, there's a difference between, hey, Mikel, if you go out there and score tonight, we're probably going to win. And, hey, Mikel, we need you to score. We're going to lose by 30. That, that is a different, that's a different scenario. Yeah. And he has been outstanding here the last couple of weeks. He hit a couple of threes that were monumental in this game. Yeah. A couple of threes that were clutch. Just a kick in the cradle to the Grizzlies' chances of winning the game. Uh, Brian Flores, when we come back, is set to interview with the Cardinals for their head coaching vacancy today. So is this the Cardinals guy? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I just want to give you my stat, right? We're not. We'll get into the, the playoffs here in a little bit. We're going to talk Cardinals coaching right here. But I just, this is the stat: the four teams left in the NFL playoffs. Okay? okay. Care to guess what their combined record is since Halloween? They've played forty-three games. No, I don't. Okay, thirty-nine and four. Okay. One of the losses was Kansas City to Cincinnati. So, what are you supposed to do in that game? Wow. Okay. Okay. The other three losses are all from Philadelphia. And two of them were just throwaway games when they didn't even have Jalen Hurts. Oh, my goodness. So, like, the only, like, if you look at the Eagles, 49ers, Bengals, and Chiefs since Halloween, the only real loss in there was the Eagles to the Commanders. The Commanders? The Commanders. So, like, we all wanted Buffalo. I think most of us wanted Buffalo to to do it this year. But as far as, like, the four teams that are left, I was going to get some really good football this weekend, or at least we should. Yeah, no, boy, four teams that are hot like that? That is great. I did not know that it was to that degree in which these teams were winning. But now that you say it, it makes it's, an awful lot of sense, it's doesn't unreal. it? Yeah, no, it does. It, it does. Uh, okay, to the Cardinals, they interviewed Dan Quinn, so that's a new name into the mix since the last time we got to talk about this. D'Amico Ryans canceled his interview with the Cardinals, according to Jay Glazer. But if you wanted D'Amico Ryans, don't totally freak out on that because he also canceled his Colts interview. And the reason he canceled was he was preparing for a playoff game last night. So I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if that means postponed and Jay said canceled. We're going to have to see where that goes. Yeah, that was really odd to me right there, too, because it was on Sunday. It was on game day. Yeah. Um, When did that sound like a good idea? Man, when is that ever a good idea? What about just today? Does that happen on a regular basis? Uh, It must. 
because he said yes, and then he canceled. So we'll see what happens. I'm sure news of D'Amico Ryans will come down today. Uh, and then the other one, the name that is out there. Well, first here, here's the Jay Glazer cut talking about that. 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans, he's in demand for a head coaching job. And how about this? He actually had four job interviews lined up for yesterday, got through the first two, which were the Broncos and the Texans, and said, I'm going to cancel the other two because I have to get back and really focus on the Dallas Cowboys. So we canceled on the Cardinals and then canceled on the Colts. I would assume if the Cardinals are serious about him or he's serious about the Cardinals, they can reschedule that. Just maybe not next Sunday. Yeah, yeah. it just seems like if you were going to interview somebody, you'd have that Zoom interview, if you will. Right. You you do that. It's you do it remotely. And then if he says some good things and you like what you're hearing, then maybe you're going to do a face to face. Maybe you go to him yeah. somehow, some way. Um, kind of like Brian Flores is doing. The fact he's going to come personally today and interview. Yeah, so here we go. Brian Flores today, I think this is a name that a lot of people think, whether he gets the job or not, he's towards the top of the list. And, I mean, let's talk timeline here, Wolf. If they really, if they interview Brian Flores today, and they just, they like him, and they're like, man, this is the guy. I mean, he could feasibly be the coach by the time we do the show tomorrow. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if they really like him, it's not inconceivable that it gets done within the next day or two now. No doubt, Luke. Um, I, I think in presence, that interview, I think that matters. I think it means a lot. I think it tells you also just how serious the Arizona Cardinals are about Brian Flores. I, I don't know if he's going to be the next coach. I have no idea. But he's going to be in a face-to-face Interview, I think that says an awful lot when you compare it to the other interviews they've done, a lot of the other interviews they've done. Kind of what where I've parsed this out with Flores, and I know some people don't want him as the head coach, um, and I, it's not like I can sit here and guarantee the Cardinals are going to suddenly start winning a lot more games right. if Brian Flores is the head coach. But the one thing I do like about it is it feels like if you make him your head coach, you are running right into the hard decisions you have to make, Right. I mean, because part of the concern is, well, man, what if Kyler doesn't get along with him? What if this guy doesn't get along with him? What, don't you kind of want to know that? Like, I feel like, for better or for worse, if Brian Flores is your head coach, it's going to start weeding out the guys you don't want to be here. Now, that can be a painful process. And <laughs> I'm not sure. I love the fact you just said that. It like, can. Okay, Brian Flores. You're going to hire Brian Flores, and now suddenly guys that you don't want to be here aren't going to be here? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, it could get ugly. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because Brian Flores has a, a bit of a old school approach in some of the things that he does. Yeah, he does. I mean, and just on paper, if you're not a Cardinals fan, if you're not emotionally tied to this, if you're just watching this from afar, doesn't somebody with Brian Re- Flores' resume look like exactly what the 2022 Cardinals needed? Now, again, whether that's the right hire or not going forward, I still right. want to interview Sean Payton. I don't understand why that's not happening. That's a whole separate conversation. Just interview him, even if you don't hire him. But if you bring in Brian Flores, it's going to shake things up. It's going to it's going to weed out guys that don't want to put in the extra work. They just won't be here. Yeah. And and ultimately, even if that's going to make next year really difficult or this offseason difficult or, or add more drama, 
I think a year from now you are in a much better place, and and it's it's more sustainable at that point. Yeah, you know, so you bring up Sean Payton, and uh, of course, early on, based on yeah, I was all in on Sean Payton and really like it. And by the way, um, the general manager position was open, and the head coach position was open, and that's the reason why I felt like that. This really is going to fit like a glove, and he would have the cred, of course, to reach Kyler Murray. Um, I'm wondering if because they haven't interviewed him, I wonder if Sean Payton let him know. Hey, listen, Maybe. I've got th- I got these two teams right here. I got three teams, and that's all you need, by the way. If you want to drive your price tag up, you need three teams. Two teams enough, but three teams really is what you're looking for. The triumvirate of terror for many people that are trying to hire you is three separate entities that are interested in yeah. you. So it, if that is the case, maybe maybe he just told Michael, I these three teams I'm I'm more interested in. And maybe that's the reason why they're not interviewing. Well and the other I thing is know. Sean Payton doesn't have to coach this year. I mean we're all gonna get sick of talking about him if this goes on for another twelve months and he doesn't coach. But he doesn't have to. If nobody's willing to pay the Twenty plus million dollars a year, he seems to want. He could look around and be like, "Okay." I mean, it could be the same conversation we were having a couple weeks ago. He may look at the Chargers and be like, "That opening might be there a year from now." Dallas just bowed out in the playoffs earlier than they expected to yet again last night. That opening might be there a year from now. It's not going to be there now. But if you're Sean Payton, it's not like if he takes another year off, he's not going to get a job. Now, I I still kind of think that he's going to take one this year. But I do find it kind of strange now that the regular season's been over for a couple of weeks and he doesn't have a job yet. Uh, well, he kind of does have a job. He's on television. Doesn't have a head coaching he? job. You see, he's kind of on television right now. I'm wondering if Sean Payton, at his age, also might be saying, "What's it going to take for me to go out back onto the field and actually work my butt off he and put in away. eighty hour? I just put in all these super hard work weeks." When I could make a lot of money just being on TV. Do you remember? I, I'm just saying. I, I, and I don't know this, so this is why I'm asking if you if you remember what it was like with Bill Cowher. Was Cowher supposed to, was it like, oh, he's just going to take a year off and he's going to come back? Was, did, how long did that go on? Because now it's been like 18 years. Obviously, he's not coming back. Yeah. I think he realized the goodness of actually having no accountability in what you say or <laughs> what you do. You can just basically do it. Bill Cowher, I love Bill Actually, the motto for this show. You know that I love Bill, but it is. It's just a situation where you're, I can make how much money? Doing what? And I'm not putting in 100 hours a week? Yeah. Especially as you age, ladies and gentlemen, these guys who are getting so old that you get my point. You're out there and you're thinking to yourself, my goodness, I can make $10 million on television? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> working three days a week. This is the one reason I, I, I might believe you on Tom Brady retiring, because if he retires, he makes more money. <laughs> so he needs to retire to make money. Yeah. Does he have like a $37 million a year deal lined up? I say up? it all the time. You have to see your own athletic mortality. How in the world do you tell me that Tom Brady saw his own athletic mortality this past season? Of course he did. Yeah, we, we all agree. How did he play that last game and not see his own athletic mortality? How? He did. Even if he saw his athletic mortality running down the field, he would have missed it with a pass. Did you see did you see the Tom Brady tackle slide 
Did you see it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Did you see what he got hit for that? No. It's like $16,000. Oh, wow. That's really going to break time. And some change on top of that. I know, but still, think it, it was so dis. What are you doing, Tom? That's, that was. He didn't look like Tom this year. That was bad. Let me, That's a bad look. Let me bring it back to Brian Flores before we hit the break. I think a lot of people look at Flores and they say, okay, you bring him in, and that's going to drive Kyler out of town. And some people, I think, probably want that, and some people don't. I also, though, of, of the candidates we have left, at least the ones that have been linked to the Cardinals, and if, if Sean Payton's not on that list, Flores is the one that I feel like, yeah, that might happen. He may come in here, and Kyler doesn't put in the work, and then he's gone in a year. And that, if, if that's the case, if Kyler's not going to put in the work, that's probably better long-term anyway. But I also think Flores is, is a guy that might actually just be able to reach Kyler. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I think so, too. I, I think that you, your best-case scenario with Kyler among these coaches I think Flores is towards the top of the, that list. Like we don't know, maybe D'Amico Ryan's can do it too. Maybe Dan Quinn can do it too. But I just I feel like Flores really might be able to get something out of Kyler. Yeah, more, something I, more out of Kyler. No, I totally agree with that. I, I think I think Brian Flores or Vance Joseph, those two guys in particular. I continue to come back to this. Those are the guys that I think right now. And again, this is just my opinion based on earnings, but I think those are the two guys that would have the best chance. Of reaching Kyler. And that's what really matters to me. And ultimately, it's because of the separation that they have from Kyler. That's one of the reasons why you can't convince me otherwise. You continue to look at the Arizona Cardinals and all the defensive coordinators they're bringing in here. A vast majority of the guys they're interviewing are defensive guys, defensive coordinators. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because they know they've got that separation. Yeah. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Throughout the show today, we're going to talk to John Bloom. We're going to talk to Craig Wolfley. Ever heard of him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's going to give us his thoughts on, on Brian Flores because he obviously works pretty closely with him. But when we come back, what will Dave Sears bring to the Cardinals as their assistant GM? What does that hiring mean? We're going to ask the Lions special assistant to the president and CEO, Chris Spielman. He will join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Teams in the playoffs set. And uh, one of the teams that got extremely close and a team that the Cardinals are obviously looking very closely at right now with uh, with Aaron Glenn's name being brought up and, and coaching the searches and now Dave Sears joining the Arizona Cardinals as an assistant GM is, uh, is the Detroit Lions. And we have their special assistant to the president and CEO, Chris Spielman, on the uh, on the Arizona yeah. sports line right now. Chris, thank you for the time. Uh, how's it going? It's going well. How are you guys? Doing great, Chris. Thank you so much, buddy, for joining us. I really do appreciate it. I know how busy you are right now. How you doing, bro? Uh, doing well and, uh, you know, just uh, looking for an opportunity to, to help and be around people that are committed to the same thing, which is, I think, one of the things that Brad Holmes and Sheila and, and Dan have brought to the table is that everybody shares a, a vision, and it's an unselfish vision. And so... I think that's been one of the reasons why when you're able to start one and six and kind of go on a run, nobody wavered from what the mission was. And uh, very proud of our guys. Really cool to watch. 
There's no doubt about it, Spiels. Oh, my goodness, man. Watching you guys play, it was very, very cool. Having said that, for anyone who's listening right now, can you tell the audience what it is that you do, Chris, for the Lions, just so they know? Sure. Uh, I was an integral part of hiring uh, Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes. Um, I work, uh, say, during the season, I work with the – I'll sit in offensive meetings and make notes or things that I think would be helpful to any of our coaches. I've, I've done that. I've done that with the defensive staff. I work with Brad Holmes uh, closely and all our scouts and GMs and part of the evaluation process. And I offer opinions and opinions based on my so-called knowledge, I guess, uh, experience. And, uh, let them make the decisions. But I'm certainly, my whole goal in this whole process was to help people climb their mountains, so to speak. I climbed my mountain as a player. I accomplished what, all I could accomplish, which wasn't enough, but it was, was I gave it a good run. Now it's my turn where I can use whatever skill I have regarding football and leadership and team and all that stuff. I can help others uh, acquire their goals, and that's uh, my purpose here. We're talking to Chris Spielman, special assistant, the president and CEO uh, of the Detroit Lions. Chris, you know, one of the things that really stands out about your team is there has been a culture shift, and I don't know exactly when it happened. I'm sure it happened before the winning streak, but that appeals a lot to uh, to, to Arizona Cardinals fans right now after the season that they just went through. How How difficult was that to sort of invoke that change, and how long do you think it took? Well, I mean, I, I think what you have to do is that there's always got to be a clear line of communication. You know, one of the – Wolf mentioned what are some of the things you do. Uh, one of the, the cool things I do is that we have our, our businesses in two different buildings, one at Allen Park, which is the practice field, and a lot of business folks are down at Ford Field, which is our home field. Uh, every Tuesday – one of the things that I did was I would go down and do a recap of our Sunday game then give a little uh, scouting report of the upcoming opponent. Mm. And when you take the time to do that, you're telling everybody involved with the organizations that you don't work for the Detroit Lions. You are a Detroit Lion. Mm. You're so much of a Detroit Lion. We're going to give you uh, a, a breakdown of our game. Uh, we're going to give you a scouting report. And we're going to invest. And, you know, the other thing we would do is I would go down there and, and we do like this uh, uh, role playing, right? So I pretended I was in the season ticket office, so the ticket seller office, and I was a ticket salesperson for, for the Lions. And I would have the real ticket salesperson be a fan. And I'd have to try to sell them a ticket when you're one and six, <laughs> just, to, just you know, just to engage with people and to give people your time and let them know that the ultimate success of this team or this organization depends on them. And if you're going to wear a, a t-shirt or a, a, a sweatshirt or a jacket that has a Detroit lion on it, it has to mean something to you. It just can't be uh, something you grab in the morning. It has to mean something. And, and a credit to Sheila and, and everybody involved because everybody is bought in. And the cool thing is because of strong leadership from uh, our executive team and Coach Campbell and Brad, uh, nobody wavered 
when we were one and six. No baby wavered when we were three, thirteen and one because to my eye, uh, I kept seeing us getting better and closer and closer. And sometimes you have to get over that hump a little bit, especially when you're the youngest or second youngest team in the league to be able to uh, finally believe that you can win and win close ones. And that's what we started to do. Spiels, I love the fact you said you don't work for the Detroit Lions. You are the Detroit Lions. Boy, that sounds like culture to me. That sounds like dogma. That sounds like belief to me right there. So I'll ask you, my friend, what can you identify what the culture is for the Detroit Lions? Well, that's said by Dan. And so, you know, we, we've had all this stuff with Dan. And the thing about him, which is, I don't know if you guys watched Hard Knocks or not. I'm, I'm sure you probably peeked it a couple times. Yeah. The, the thing about him, um, when I was doing TV and I did Saints games, uh, before I'd, I'd go to practice, and I would watch players. But for whatever reason, every time I did a Saints game and I went to their facility or their Friday practice, I would sit there and watch him. He just captivated me. And I don't know if it was like a kindred spirits or what, but mm-hmm. there was something about his presence and about what he was coaching, about um, no compromise on your standards, whether it's a Monday walkthrough or Friday walkthrough or whatever it is. There's going, to, there's going to be a standard that's got to be met. And so I think that's what he's been able to instill. Now, he puts one word on it, and that's grit. I mean, that's the whole definition of who he is, and he wants his team to be. In fact, he wants his whole organization to be gritty, and which, quite frankly, is a direct reflection of, of Metro Detroit and, and our fan base and, and what the city stands for. It's always been very resilient. It's always been tough. It's always been very hardworking. And so when you're able to connect your football team, especially uh, because of the physical nature of it, because the football state, when you're able to connect your football's identity with your city's identity, that's when you can have something special. And that's what we're kind of building, I believe. We're talking to Chris Spielman. Uh, Chris, you mentioned Hard Knocks. Aaron Glenn was one of the guys that really stood out as a character in Hard Knocks. And so I just wanted to ask you about him, what he does for that team, and then also Dave Sears because the Cardinals just hired him as their assistant GM as well. Okay. Well, I think with Aaron Glenn, I mean, what kind of what kind of athlete and team guy are you if you can play corner in the National Football League for 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> Do it well. I mean, that's insane, right? Usually corners hit the wall about 27, 28 years old. Maybe, you know, you have your exceptions, obviously, but generally speaking, I love AG. I think AG is, um, he's a leader. I think when uh, the defense was struggling, he hung in there. Guys believed they kept getting better. We had, I think at one time, uh, five rookies on the field, uh, plus second-year guys with rookie, two free agents, rookie free agents. Uh, he'll he'll coach no matter the circumstances, no matter the, the standard. But if you think of A.G. and you think of Dan Campbell, okay, so the grandfather would be Bill Parcells. The father would be Sean Payton. 
And with Dan Campbell and AG, you got to think, okay, well, they're the sun. I mean, they're very similar in mindset. And that, and that's what I think uh, what I admire about him, right? He's all about the team. He's all about grit. He's all about toughness. He's all, all about coming together as one. And I know that's all cliche, but everybody says it, but not everybody does it. Yeah, you know, once again, the Cardinals down here are really, they're looking, they're searching. And the hire of Dave Sears says an awful lot to me only because of the culture that the Lions come from. It's in the front office as well, correct? This is, this is believable. Yes. I couldn't be a part of it if it wasn't because that would, I would then not be upholding my promise to Sheila when she hired me. Uh, I, I can't be a part of something if you tell me one thing and it's not what I've been told. I wouldn't be a part of it. You know, I would I would do something else. Um, but let me with Dave. Uh, he is as talented as evaluator uh, as I've been around. I've been around a lot of them in my football life. Um, he is a team guy. He is a leader because he led our college department. Uh, he's a great communicator. He's not looking to serve Dave Sears. He's looking to serve the Arizona Cardinals, probably one of the humblest, smartest football men I've been around. He's a young guy. I think it's no surprise that that uh, he was plucked from our staff, people that know him and, and been around him. He knows what he's doing, and he's excellent at a talent evaluator. The thing I loved about Dave, when I first took this job, um, I started in the scouting stuff a little bit, and they had me do some linebackers. And for me, it was like, all right, everybody sucks. I hate everybody. And, <laughs> no, not you, like, Spiels. <laughs> yeah. And, and Dave called me that night after that meeting, and uh, I was I was maybe here three four weeks I don't know, and he said, "Chris, do you mind a bit of advice?" I said, "Of course, I'll take any advice I can get." He said, "It's been my experience over the years that guys that play a position then they evaluate a position, they're not fair in how they evaluate it." I would strongly suggest that you go back and watch each and every one of those linebackers and don't look at it from. <laughs> Uh, your perspective, but look at it from, okay, truly look at the kit. And I said, I'll do that. Not thinking that I was going to change my mind. Right. I changed my mind on every single guy. <laughs> and uh, and I'll be forever because he's helped me grow in, in, in my position. And I, I, I just think it's, uh, it's a great hire for you guys. And it, it's a loss for us, but you know, that's, I think it's a, a compliment when people, Come and get your guys. Yes, you know whether that's the popularity of Ben Johnson, who uh, uh, Deuce Daly, uh, Aaron, whoever it is. Uh, when people see talent and they see what's going on, they want to try to emulate that or get a piece of that. And uh, you know the other thing I think that's vital, and I know AG would be this, and I know Coach Campbell with this because I asked him in an interview. I asked him, who are you going to hire? And he said, I'm hiring the best. And and I thought about that. Then I later on talked about him. I said, Coach, you know, one of the things I admire about you is that you'll hire 
somebody that may be deemed a threat to you, meaning he's not afraid to hire somebody that is the best that there is because he's so secure in what he does and what he believes that he won't hire just buddies. He won't hire well, because Parcells told him to hire somebody. He's going to hire people that are the best that can actually be deemed a threat to him. And I think that's amazing. Uh, that's leadership, man. When you go out and surround yourself with the best. Totally. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's love you, man. Thank, you, Thank Chris. you so much, buddy, for coming on. You got it. Okay, dude. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. That's uh, Chris Spielman right there offering some perspective on the Cardinals' new assistant GM and one of the guys they are looking at in Aaron Glenn as a uh, potential head coach. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We are less than three weeks away from Super Bowl 57 and Bud Light FanDuel and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. So text SUPER to 620-620 to register and listen for your name starting February 6th. You can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl, plus you're going to win tickets to the following events. The FanDuel Party the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl experience. So text SUPER to 620-620. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. When we come back, we've got the final four teams set in the NFL playoffs. What were our biggest takeaways from what we saw in the AFC games this weekend? We'll go through it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Thanks to Chris Spielman for joining us last segment. We'll get into uh, some of what he had to say later on in the show because right now the Lions have a, uh, a potential impact on the culture the Cardinals are, are looking to build. They already have some impact because the Cardinals hired Dave Sears as the assistant GM over the weekend. Now, Wolf, also over the weekend, we got four playoff games. And going back to last week, there's a couple things about our predictions. Okay, I just want to get this out of the way. You and I both took the Chiefs and the Niners. They both won. Yeah. We both took the Giants. That looked terrible. Oh, my goodness. How could you? We both took the Bills, and this is the one that bothers me. Picking the Giants, whatever. Like It ended up being a horrible pick. They didn't even show up to the game. But the one that bothers me, and I almost, I almost, I told you this before the show, I almost texted you and Aaron yesterday morning. I was like, you know what? This is Cincinnati's year. It just feels like Cincinnati's year. And then the game started, and it really feels like Cincinnati's year. Like, Buffalo was the sentimental pick. I have no real ties to Buffalo. I've never even been there other than, you know, <laughs> Zoe, and I know that you're from there. Um, but that was the sentimental pick. It was tough to see their season end. But even before the game, like, you just start to do the math. Yeah, Cincinnati's missing all these guys on the offensive line, which is what made me kind of think, okay, Buffalo should take this. But the guys that have filled in are are fine. They're not losing anything on the offensive line. And Joe Burrow, the dude just doesn't care. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm with you on the Cincinnati thing in regard to what is happening right now. They're beating the Chiefs. They went up to Orchard Park, New York, and in a snowstorm. That basically is what it was. Now, it wasn't a blizzard, basically, but it was a game where it snowed pretty much the whole game. And that's the lake effect that you're going to get up there in Buffalo, New York from time to time. And you could see every time out they had, they were cleaning the hash marks. Yeah. They were scraping the numbers. They were trying to actually, I thought they did an excellent job, the grounds crew, and letting everyone know where the, where the lines were, where the 40 was. You know, here's the hash mark. I thought they did a great job doing that. And it looked kind of cool. Uh, there's a lot of people talking about, you know, they, they should build nothing but dumb. Homes. I please no, don't do on, that. No, please no, don't no. do that. No. Please don't. 
because the weather actually factored into this game in a big, big way. And it's one of the reasons why I love the fact you got to build a team that is capable of doing whatever you need to do in order to beat your opponent. And guess what? The Cincinnati Bengals and Zach Taylor, that's what they have done. They needed to run the ball to win that game. Even though Joe Burrow came out 27 attempts in the first half. 27 attempts in the first half. But the key to winning the game for the Bengals was being able to run the ball the way that they did. 34 times for 172 yards. Yeah, it's, you know, Buffalo, going back to that Miami game, looked a lot shakier than I thought they would against Skylar Thompson, against the Dolphins. That felt like a game, okay, it's the playoffs, but Buffalo wins this game by at least two scores, right? And they... They give them credit. They won the game, but it was really close. Obviously, they'd come back in the second half to win that game. Cincinnati, and I know they had a hard time with Baltimore in the first round of the playoffs, but but now spinning forward and looking to these final four teams that are left, we'll get into the NFC matchup in a second. But that just Eagles, just that high flying offense against that Forty ers defense. I don't know that you could draw it up any better than that. But over in the AFC, and I know Patrick Mahomes is hurt. Even if he's healthy, it's really hard to ever pick against Patrick Mahomes. But Cincinnati of the four teams left just seems to be the most balanced. They don't yes. really have any weaknesses. Yeah. And they might have the best quarterback. Like, I'm still going to give the edge to Mahomes. I think you have to. Especially at home. Yeah. I'm not giving Kansas City the edge in that game, though. But as far as the best quarterbacks in the league, I think you still have to go Mahomes one. But Burrow's, like, right there, and and he's not slowing down. Yeah. This is the—I I call it the middle offense. Not middle-earth, Basinonians. But the middle offense. Middle offense is a blending of the old and the new. This is like a okay, dream is team. This is it right here. The middle offense. Not middle earth. Middle offense. Okay. The blending of the old and the new. And one of the reasons why you've got to be able to do this is so that you can beat your opponent in different ways. The ways where they're not good, so to speak. So if you go up to Buffalo and now all of a sudden you're you're playing in a game where the footing is treacherous, do you know who has the advantage when the footing is treacherous? An offensive player. Do you know why? You could see that yesterday too. Bills were giving them a lot of space because they, they know where they're going. They know where they're yeah. going. They know where they're going. They can they can step with certitude. This is where I'm going. Suddenly you've got defenders that are reacting to where the offense is going. Now, sometimes they're not reacting. Sometimes here comes a blitz, everybody. They're acting. I get that. But the vast majority of players out on the field, on any given play, the offense has the advantage because you know where you're going. You can place a foot with confidence where the defender is reacting to what you are doing. It puts them at a serious disadvantage, in particular when you run the ball. And the Bengals were able to run the ball with Joe Mixon in a gut-wrenching, break-your-heart kind of way for any Buffalo Bill fan. They they have impressed me more than maybe any team this this season because, and I've said this consistently all year, I thought Cincinnati was a good team that was going to cause problems for either Buffalo or Kansas City in the playoffs. They were going to either take one of them out or push them right to like overtime or something. But I didn't think they were going back to the Super Bowl. 
Now I feel like they're going back to the Super Bowl. And I, and I even felt that before the game yesterday. Um, but I mean, that game was just, that was, that was a very impressive performance. Uh, and then, you know, they have, they obviously Burrow has the swag, but they just have a little bit of an attitude to them. This is Zach Taylor after the game talking about the fact, okay, now it's going to be Cincinnati and Kansas City. Yeah, we, we just, we had our mindset to go play in Kansas City and, and, uh, it, it, it is, it is tough because they're, they have to formulate the plans for coin tosses and they got to formulate the plans for neutral side games and we just keep screwing it up for everybody and I hate that for, for the people that have to endure all those logistical issues and then we just keep screwing it up so I'm sorry. Well then there's Joe Burrow too. That chip on your shoulder everyone talking about a neutral AFC championship game not even thinking about you guys how much did that motivate you coming into this? You better send those refunds. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little something coming out of the side of his neck, Joe Burrow, right there. That's, man, you know, it was a weird thing, but you had this feeling, didn't you? You just had this feeling that the Bengals were going to have a chance to win this game. And to see Joe Burrow, the legend of Joe Burrow right now, when you talk about the best quarterbacks in the National Football League, I, th- I feel like there's a lot of people, including myself, that forget about Joe Burrow. Yeah. This it, game, I don't know I if think we're going to be changed. forgetting I, I about think, it anymore. I was looking at the lines. We were talking about this on, on Friday and then just looking at the lines going into the games this weekend. And Cincinnati was like a six-point underdog. And that just that seemed ridiculous for a team that has not lost since Halloween. Like maybe they lose the game yesterday, but to be a six-point underdog. <laughs> and it just Joe Burrow feels like the sort of guy that notices that stuff and lets his teammate know about it. The teammates know about it. And he doesn't get like super caught up in it like, oh, this is going to I'm going to get all emotional. But it's just kind of like, all right, you, you don't think we belong here? You th- everybody just assumes it's going to be Buffalo, Kansas City. I mean, Cincinnati has been doing this now for two years. They take on that persona of their quarterback, who, by the way, did this in college, too. So you're 100% right. He seems like the forgotten. It's always, oh, it's going to be Mahomes and Allen in the AFC. Yeah. I said this yesterday. I think Mahomes Burrow is, is the new Manning Brady in the AFC, and, and Allen's going to have to find a way to claw his way in there because this is the second straight year this has been the AFC championship. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. The AFC is uh, it's where all the good young quarterback, great young quarterbacks are right now. Nickelback is heading out on the Get Rolling Tour, coming to the Footprint Center on July 12th. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair now by heading to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. And back over to basketball, the Phoenix Suns have now won three in a row. How different does everything look and feel today than it did a week ago at this time? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.